Good morning, everyone. I'm so excited to be here with you to teach the word this morning. Uh, if you don't have your Bible with you, I'm going to give you a moment to go get it because I want to look at Romans chapter 12. We're going to look at the first two verses, one and two. That's going to be our reading today, and it will make more sense to you, I think, if you have the word in front of you. We'll also be looking at a little bit in Proverbs and finish in a passage of Colossians chapter 3. So take a moment right now. Get right up and go find your Bible, and we'll have the reading in just a moment. Hey, we're only five Sundays into live streaming. Can you believe that? I, I said that earlier today, and people were like, wait, it feels like it's been a lot longer. Time is pretty relative right now. And in a very short amount of time, we have been become uncomfortably used to the idea of things like staying at home orders and social distancing and making masks and wearing them you know, regularly. Every day we listen to uh, presidents and leaders and governors and directors and officials and doctors and even more social media. And it's dizzying, isn't it, when you think about all the quantity of information that we're getting in direction. I, I think sometimes it feels to us a little bit like we're spectators more than participants right now. So in this time, uh, here's a question. What is the role of spiritual discernment. How could we trust that the, we're remaining active in God's will? And at this time, which is extraordinary, but in every time, and there have been many seasons like this throughout the history of the world, how, what is it for us to have the mind of Christ to be thinking like Jesus? Well, starting last week, we began a perspective shift from Easter Resurrection Sunday, where we looked into the empty tomb, last week we shifted perspective. We started looking out from the tomb at this idea of what is life like post-resurrection. That's why this series is called The Resurrection and the Life. What does it mean for us to live out the story of resurrection in our hearts, minds, souls, body, and the great hope that is to come. So we want to look at the word this morning and consider its voice. We want to talk about the story of the mind in scripture. And then I'm going to give you three very practical ways that we can begin to renew our mind to put on the mind of Christ to love the Lord our God with all of our heart and all of our mind. Okay, so hopefully by now you have found that Bible. I want to open it up again to Romans chapter 12. We're just going to read the first two verses. I'm going to read it once through, and then we're going to celebrate that in prayer, and then we're going to dig a little deeper into it. So this is Romans chapter 12. Let me pray before we enter into God's word. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of your word, and for any who are there this morning who, who got up, who took that urging and encouragement to, to grab the Bible and place it in their hands. Lord, what we hold in our hands is a very special book. It's the voice of God. Lord, would you speak to us today, this morning, as you've been continuing to speak to me through this passage? Let it come alive in our hearts, we pray. Holy Spirit, come, give us your wisdom. Let this be the lens in which we see life today. In Jesus' name, amen. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. This is Paul writing, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. 
Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. This is the gospel of the Lord. And to that we say praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is writing. Now let's look at verse 1 one more time in a little more detail. Paul is writing and he's saying, I appeal to you. Uh, in some sense, he's urging. There's a, there's an, there's a passionate um, uh, desire he has here for brothers and sisters to hear him. I encourage you with, with, with great passion. I urge you because of the mercy that God has shown us to present your bodies as living sacrifices. In other words, this is how we respond to the mercy that's been shown to us. We respond by presenting ourselves as living sacrifices. And you notice what he says here, living sacrifices that are holy and acceptable to God. We're holy and acceptable to God because of the great mercy that Jesus has shown us in the cross. And this idea of a living sacrifice, a living sacrifice, that's kind of an odd one because you think about it, anything that typically is sacrificed is usually, <laughs> but this is a living sacrifice presented there as if sacrificed and yet allowed to remain alive and in fact even more alive when we put it in the context of resurrection. This idea of living sacrifice is the posture that we should have as we've given ourselves fully over to Christ. We die to ourselves and yet we're fully alive. Last week, we talked about the idea of resurrection, that what happened to Jesus happens to us by faith. And we see that again here in the scriptures, this idea that we present ourselves as living sacrifices. We've been given over as sacrifice, but yet remaining alive, and in some ways, I would say, even more alive than ever. This is our posture of how we fully participate in the life of Christ. This is how we participate in the resurrection life with Jesus, presenting ourselves as living sacrifices. Now, for me, this is part of my story. I mean, I had a moment where I surrendered myself before the mercies of God. Um, I came to the Lord and I said, you know what? I have been trying to live my own life and I deserve death. Uh, I can't do this anymore. I, I need you. And more importantly, I knew that I deserved to die. I, I deserved death. And so I threw myself before the Lord and said, I surrender. I, I give up. I, here I am. I'm a sacrifice. You can take me. But this isn't just my story. This isn't just how I came to Christ. This is written for all of us. This is our story. We all come to this point. We must die to ourselves and become even more alive in Christ than we were ever alive before. I appeal to all of you, he says, brothers and sisters, because of the mercy that's been shown to you and to me and to all of us, to present ourselves then as living sacrifices. This, he says, is our spiritual worship. This action of presenting our bodies is our spiritual worship. This is what it is to be in the resurrection and the life. Verse 2 continues with that same kind of urging and appeal. He says, do not then be conformed to this world. 
but instead be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The two big words there are this idea of not being conformed, which is passive, and transformed, which is active. Conformed to what? Conformed, he says, to the, to the world, to the age, to the time. Literally, it's kind of the age and time. Do not be conformed passively to the age and the time, the wisdom of the day, the wisdom of the word. But you notice again that passivity of it. Don't be conformed. You know, I picture that maybe some of you are out there sitting right now, and you may be, may be lounging softly on a couch. I hope you are. But what happens when we sit on a couch for too long? We become the shape of the couch. We become conformed to the shape of the couch. I have, you know, uh, kids, and they're doing e-learning, and a couple of them love to sit on the couch while they're doing their e-learning, and it's amazing. They'll begin the day sitting up, and then suddenly they're leaning back in the pillow, and then suddenly they just kind of become one with the couch. This is what it's like to be conformed. It's passive. It'll just happen. But instead, friends, we're called to be transformed. This is active. Maybe you could take another posture here, which would be like sitting up and participating in the active work of being transformed by the renewing of your mind to sit up more brightly, as we might in, when we're in regular school. To be conformed will just happen. To be transformed, that's the invitation. We're being invited to be transformed. And then we receive the tools of testing, it says, not being conformed, but transformed by the renewing of the minds so that we can discern what the will of God is, that we know what is good and acceptable and perfect. When we participate in this work of transforming our minds, renewing our minds, it's like we get this new tool bag for testing so that we can discern what is God's will in all seasons, what is good and acceptable and pleasing to him. What has eternal value? What is righteousness? This one verse tells us there's a natural pattern to the world, to the age, to the culture, that's going to be the default way of thinking if we don't participate in the Spirit and the invitation to have a new way of thinking that changes us, and that we would know and desire and do God's will, that which is pleasing to him. Now, just a moment ago, we just prayed, Lord, may your will be done here on earth as it is in the heavens. Now, we pray that weekly and regularly. Maybe that's a part of your everyday prayer routine. I hope it is. But do you realize when we pray those words, Lord, your will be done, we're not just saying that to him. We're saying that with us as well. We get to be the answer to that prayer. Lord, may your will be done in my head and heart as you've already written that story in the heavens. May I live it out today. Lord, let me be an answer to that prayer. I'm invited to concede my mind to him doing and living his will. This is what it means, friends, to love the Lord your God with all your heart. We talked about that last week, our passions. And now, with all of our mind. Now, before we go on, let me unpack for you for a moment the, the mind. It boggles the mind to think of the mind. Biblically, the mind is a vital part of the story. There's over 101 references to the mind in Scripture. And I looked at them all, and here's what we can learn. This is a large category. 
We learn that God has a mind, and so do we. In fact, it's something that we share with him. It comes to us as image bearers of God. Even, even uh, the animals seem to have a mind. It's something we share in common with God and all creatures, but it's also something that's our own. We see in Scripture that our mind can be changed, but our mind can also resist change. Our mind can be a tool to remember, but our mind can also easily forget. We can set our mind. We can speak our mind. Very often in Scripture, the idea of the mind is connected to this idea of the place of our will. It works in concert with our heart, our passions, and it drives us. Our mind is a tool of discernment, of understanding. Our mind is a tool of wisdom. We also know that our mind can be troubled. Our mind can be twisted. Our mind can be tempted and lured. Proverbs 19.21 tells us that many are the plans of the mind, and this is true. It never turns off. Even mine at 3.30 this morning woke up. The mind never turns off. But the Lord, it says, will establish his plans. Proverbs 28.21 tells us whoever trusts in their mind, I'm sorry to say it, is a fool. So the mind can deceive us. You see, the big story, though, of Scripture is the impact that the fall, our sin condition, has on our mind. We look at Scripture and we will find out that our minds, because of sin, are broken. Our minds are baseless and even darkened. Now, that may be surprising to some of us because we use our minds even before we know Jesus, even outside of the faith. We know that we can be rational. We know that we can be highly inventive and creative. This is true. But the one thing that we cannot do with our minds, that we cannot and will not, is think our way to our own righteousness. In fact, in Romans, earlier in the chapter, in the, in the book, in Romans chapter 1, Paul goes into some detail about this condition of the mind. He says, even though, even though God is obvious, he's plain to them because he's shown it to us in every way, ever since the created world, his eternal power, divine nature, as invisible as they are, been understood and seen. And yet, even though they knew God, they did not honor him or give him thanks. They became futile in their thinking, and their senseless minds grew dark. Claiming to be wise, he said, people became fools. God gives us up then to a debased mind. This is a tough story. Our minds are broken because of sin. They're foolish and futile. Senseless minds, it says, are darkened. So, are we without hope? No. As we just heard in the reading for today, our minds can be renewed. Our minds can be made new again. So how do we shake this disease of sin from our minds? It's through faith. See, it's by faith that we can receive, as Scripture tells us, the mind of Christ. And we can be united with others as they have received the mind of Christ. We can be then even of one mind and one accord as followers of Christ. But in order to begin that process, our mind has to be turned over. It has to be open to renewal. 
What is that going to look like? You know, one of my favorite uh, ancient writers, thinkers, third, fourth century Christian thinker, Augustine, he says this. This is a picture for us to imagine what the mind is like given over to Christ. He said, a Christian is a mind through which Christ thinks, a heart through which Christ loves. A Christian is a voice through which Christ speaks and a hand through which Christ helps. But the mind there is it's the mind through which Christ thinks. This is what it means to live resurrection in our minds, to give our minds over, to allow us to think as Christ thinks, to respond to that urging, not to default to the world and the age's patterns, but to seek the Spirit, the Word of God, so that we can be renewed in our minds. So, how do we actively begin transforming our minds to Christ? I'm going to give you three, three things to begin with. Number one, it's going to be to seek the wisdom of God. To seek the wisdom of God. Now, you might be surprised that I start there. But wisdom is a very interesting figure, especially in the Old Testament. If you look at Proverbs chapter 8, which is a great chapter on the wisdom of God. Wisdom in this sense is personified as a woman. It's done that way so that we could illustrate the idea that wisdom is to be prized above all. It says, does not wisdom call? Does not, does not wisdom raise understanding in her voice? Again, this may be written in an allusion towards a patristic reader, but the idea is that we would prize this wisdom more than anything else, prized in order to give us a fullness of life and to make us even complete. Later on in the chapter, it tells us that wisdom was present even before creation. So what does that mean? That gives us an illusion, this idea that wisdom is like the Spirit of God hovering over that darkness and that chaos, ready to bring good order over that mess. And I know that there's very often that my mind feels like a darkness and swirl, right? So to walk in wisdom is to call on God's Spirit to give order and discipline to our minds. We need God's Spirit to illuminate truth and to ignite in us a desire to present ourselves then as living sacrifices made holy and acceptable by the mercy of God. I was telling just even last night, just preparing to talk about this, because again, talking about the mind, it's, it's huge. It boggles the mind. But even last night as I woke up several times just, you know, flashing with notes in my head of, of, of how this might go, I just kept praying, Lord, will you, Holy Spirit, will you just bring order to my mind? Will you bring peace to my mind? And I went back to sleep very nicely. See, this is how we can begin to seek the wisdom of God. It's a daily prayer, a daily prayer of surrender and humility. Holy Spirit, will you give me, please, the mind of Christ? Will you come and hover over the chaos and maybe even the darkness of my mind? This is a prayer that we can pray without ceasing daily, even moment by moment. Lord, help me to have passion for your will, not mine, but your will to be done. This is a daily prayer of surrender and humility. 
Holy Spirit, come and bring order to my mind. Another way that we can begin to have our minds transformed is to honor the word of God. I love what Jesus said as he gave a parable about building a house on a sandy lot. He said, anyone who hears my word and does it is like a wise person. See, there's sufficiency in God's word. It's his word, it's his world, and his way. See, scripture is in many ways like the corrective lens. It's like the glasses we put on that help us to see clearly in in a broken world. And we come before it again. Just as we did with the wisdom of God, we come before the word of God with humility. Lord, teach me your ways. Give me your wisdom. Retrain my mind. Renew my mind. But through it, we need his word. Now, one thing we can't do is we cannot allow the wisdom of the ages, of current conditions and culture to define the word. That's different. That's saying that we, that, that our contemporary lens, correct scripture. And that's not how this works. Scripture is the corrective lens. And it shows us rightly how to live and think and see in the world even today. So we come before the word and we submit to God as our teacher and our Lord. So I have to ask you right now, as I asked myself this week, where are you getting your daily word from? Where are you getting your wisdom from? Now again, we're bombarded with messages every day. We hear new orders and new directions and new advice and new wisdoms and new promises, and they're good. But is that where we're primarily getting our word? Is it from the news? Is it from social media? I know that our time on social media has greatly increased during this time of shelter. We want to connect with people, but there's also a a thinking that happens in that. We get shaped by that. What about your self-talk? How often do we listen to our own counsel? Many, many are the plans of the mind. This is why we need the word of God and to honor it as that corrective lens for our heart and our minds. So how can we begin to put on and honor the word of God in our hearts? Now, maybe you're already doing this, and I would love for you to comment right now and say, oh, this is one of the ways that I'm spending time in Scripture that's helping retrain my mind. I would love if you were able to comment on that right now. You know, and I've tried, and I will continue to try, many different ways, even in my own personal discipline. I've done the verse of the day. I've read, you know, a a paragraph a day, maybe even a chapter a day. Once I did the Bible in a year, I'll do it again. Always coming before the Lord and saying, Lord, will you teach me your ways by your word? Right now, I'm doing a a kind of a deeper read. I go through about a paragraph or two and make heavy notes in it. You know, without tools, I'm just praying and saying, Lord, will you teach me? Teach me your ways, Lord. Help me to tune my mind so that I can hear your word and honor it in my heart. The last way that we can begin to have our minds renewed is to live, to live in the wonder of God. And I borrowed that from last week's sermon, this idea that we live with the wonder of God. There is a mystery to faith. If you look at Colossians chapter 3, and you can hear in this passage this idea of resurrection. In fact, if you have your eyes tuned to this idea of resurrection, you'll find that it's quite a bit through scripture. In Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, it says this, and hear the call of resurrection life here. If then you have been raised with Christ, 
then seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. Here it is, friends. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. This is a profound mystery. It goes on to say, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. So how? How do we set our minds on the wonder of the things to come? It's to know that our only hope and our ultimate hope is in Christ. And I'm, this may be hard for us to hear this morning. It is not in the world's promises of peace and prosperity and progress. The good news is in Christ glorified. Now, my friends, I believe that the Lord is using this time to pave the way for the presentation of his kingdom come. And in this time, we can each choose to be passive, like spectators on the couch. Or we can sit up and be active participants in the transforming work of Christ, beginning with the renewing of our minds. Now, the other thing that we see throughout the story of God and continuing today is that Christ warns us that worldly wisdom may come that sounds godly, but it's lacking faith and truth. Throughout the story and even today, believers have been and will be deceived, and many will fall away from the truth. So what do we do? I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. This is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Let us pray. Here we are, Lord, hearing your call for us to give to you what is already yours, our hearts, our minds, our souls, our bodies, and our hope. Lord, may we present ourselves today as living sacrifices, made holy and acceptable by your great mercy in Christ our Savior. And so, Lord, begin today to renew our minds. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and reign over the chaos of our thoughts and give us your peace. We repent. We turn away or turn off anything that we know that is building up in us worldly ways, maybe comforts that we have chosen, ways that we soak in worldly opinion, ways that we don't seek you. Today, Lord, we choose to follow you. And now maybe you want to say that out loud in the space of your home right now. Today, Lord, 
I choose to follow you. Lord, lead us in your righteousness by your word to that great day when all things are made new and you reign in a glory that will not disappoint and that will never end. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand and worship, rejoicing in the hope of our Lord.